Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Lucas and welcome to Shooting the Football Fair Podcast. A podcast where we talk about the biggest sports stories of the week. I give my opinion on them. Pretty simple concept. You guys know what's going to be happening. But this being the first episode, I figured I would explain it. I'm going to be winging it very hard. Don't know how long the episodes will be. But obviously there is one big sporting event going on this week. Or at least the next couple of weeks. And that is the NBA Finals. Now, you don't need me to tell you who's in this matchup. Um, You probably have already seen it multiple times. But I find it pretty interesting because, you know, it's not your typical big market matchups. You know, over the last couple of years, you know, you had the Lakers and the Heat last year. You've always had the Warriors. And I guess Cleveland's not a big market, but they always had LeBron whenever they were making their runs and the Heat before that. So it is kind of, it's a lot different, especially, like I said, over the last couple of years in particular, where you have these big super teams. Also, something to talk about is like the super teams part of it. Obviously, this year's a lot different. You have the Suns and the Bucks. Obviously, Giannis being a multi-time MVP and the Suns having a lot of up-and-coming stars and DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, all headed by CP3. But obviously, there's one big thing to talk about. Um, and you can't really talk about this matchup without bringing it up. And that is the Giannis Antetokounmpo injury. Now, as of now, he is doubtful for Game 1. He's actually a game-time decision. As I'm recording this, you know, it, it is a little bit before the game is scheduled to start. So we will see if he plays tonight or even throughout the rest of the series. Um, and obviously, another big story to talk about is it being CP3's first finals appearance. You know, he's one of those players that has long deserved it, deserved to be in it. But for the longest time, just hasn't been able to get there, hasn't been able to win one. And for like, honestly, especially over these last couple of years, I know he made a big run in 2018, but you know over these last couple of years especially, it was kind of fearful that he would go the way of John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Steve Nash, those players that all deserved championships but never got one, Charles Barkley being another one. Thankfully, like I said, he's got a chance this year, and I guess I should probably note, I am going to be rooting for the Suns. All because of that. That is the only. <laughs> that is really what I'm basing my rooting of a team for. It is simply that I want to see CP3 win a championship. Now, obviously, I want Giannis to win a championship at some point, probably for the Bucks. But I think you know CP3 getting up there in age. If he doesn't win this year, it's probably going to be his last chance. Now, when it comes to predictions, like I said, I'm rooting for the Suns. Predictions wise, though, let's say Giannis doesn't play. Right, I know he's doubtful, or at least a game-time decision for Game 1, but let's say he just doesn't play throughout the entire series. I think the Suns are going to sweep it. I think that they are by far the better team, especially when Giannis is out. And I think even if Giannis plays, I think the Suns will win that game in six, you know, win the series in six or seven. Again, I, I just think the Suns are a better team. They're, they're more well-built. And like I said, there's no slide at Giannis or Chris Middleton or anyone on that team. It just, it, I, I just believe in the Suns. They're their depth, and all that a lot more. Now, I think one more thing I want to talk about before I kind of move on from this is, you know, what's CP3's legacy if he doesn't win a championship? Because obviously he's, or at least in my opinion, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, whether he wins this championship or not, right? He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He, he's been well known for the longest time to be one of the best players in the league. Everyone, Like I said, everyone's known that. The only issue, the, really the only slight on his record is no championships. And honestly, as a whole, just not really any playoff success. So how are people going to remember him if he didn't win a championship? 
me, like I said, me personally, I'm going to remember him as someone who was fantastic and unfortunately was never able to get get there, uh, get all the way, and bring home a championship. But, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see how people talk about him. Now, if he wins a championship, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, he, he he's going to be a bona fide Hall of Famer. You know, it's going to be no question. He's going to be one of those players that he was able to push through win a championship even through his old age. So, And even be a best one of the best players on the team. It's not like he's just ring chasing at this point. He is literally one of the best players on that team. He's one of the most important players on that team. And I think that, in its own right, is very important to how people perceive the championship you win. Right? If like you look at Robert Ory, well, no one considers him the real ring leader, right? It's Michael Jordan, it's Kobe Bryant. Because every one of those championships, they were super important to the team, if not the best player. When you look at Robert Ory, not to say he wasn't important for a lot of his championships, but, you know, it's well known that he was a big ring chaser. You know, he is the picture, perfect <laughs> idea of a ring chaser. So, you know, like I said, it's really important to, when you win a championship, you know, that you're on top, I guess. Now, I know a lot of people kind of been, at least what I've seen on Twitter, I think Twitter feed um, is not very filled with this. My Twitter feed is more people clowning on the fact that people are upset that there aren't, you know, big teams in the championship. And they're complaining about the schedule or injuries and all that stuff. So I kind of want to give my own thoughts on this whole narrative, right? First off, when it comes to the championship for CP3, in no way do <laughs> would I be less happy with it if I were a Suns fan, if I were CP3, if I was anyone. Right, you know, be, me being a Pacers fan, the Pacers never won a championship. I don't care if every team in the East, every one of the starting players on every team on the East were hurt. If the Pacers are in the championship and they win a championship, I will be stoked. I will be happy as hell. So, like I said, if I were a Suns fan, in no way does that make this uh, series or, or a Bucks fan too. I should say both of them. Sorry, in no way does that affect how I see this championship. I would be super happy. For either one of the teams. Now, if I'm again, if, even if I'm looking at CP3's legacy, I typically, if you win a championship, I see it as a championship. Unless you're on the 2017 Astros or the 2018 Red Sox, I see it as a legit championship, right? And even those, I know those are murky. Like I, 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 I honestly, I mean, the Astros obviously they cheated, and the Red Sox is a lot more murky. And I guess the Yankees might have done that, but that's not what I'm talking about, right? You know, I see it as a championship. I don't think LeBron James championship or any one of those Laker teams is any less significant. So I'm not going to see it any different this year. Now, when it comes to all the injuries, you know, and a lot of people have been pointing at the fact that the schedule, quick turnaround, and you know, playing 82 games was a big deal. And I think that definitely has something to do with it. I think it's not an easy decision for the NBA to not do that, right? Maybe they shorten the schedule. Maybe that will help a little bit. At the end of the day, I it's a tough situation because of the pandemic and the way they had to get that quick turnaround. You know, the Suns beat the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, who beat the Jazz with an injured Donovan Mitchell. The Suns beat the Lakers, who AD wasn't really healthy. I, don't, I think he missed the last couple of games anyways. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something you can look at and maybe you can talk about. But, I mean, like I said, it doesn't change the fact that 
if CP3 are to win this championship or if Giannis is to win this championship, it in no way makes their championship less impressive. Especially since Giannis himself is playing through injuries. And if you honestly look at it, and I don't want to say that the Rockets beat the Warriors that year if CP3 is healthy, because, I mean, if you miss 32 straight threes or however many they missed, I don't know if CP3 really changes that. But you could also say that, you know, CP3's injury in 2018 may have played a part in that as well. You know, he, it may have played a part in him missing it. And he's also gone through, you know, with, he's gone through injuries or teammates and, you know, when he was in L.A. have gone through injuries. So, I mean, he's dealt with his own injury problems. And I, in no way, am going to see this championship less for him or Giannis, who is playing through an injury himself if he does end up playing through this series. So, those are my thoughts on this NBA Finals matchup. I've not been able to watch a lot of them, unfortunately, because of working for my job, waking up early, and having to go to bed early, so I've missed a lot of the games. I've tried to watch as many as I can. Honestly, there's a lot of sports, unfortunately, have kind of gone to the wayside for now. I I do think the Suns are going to win this series, but especially if Giannis is healthy, it could definitely go either way. Moving over to the next topic, some more big news that came out this weekend were the MLB All-Star rosters. And like I said, you can look up the rosters yourself. I, I kind of just want to go through a couple of names I want to talk about. Maybe talk about some of the snubs. And overall, like I said, just kind of go through how I feel about it. Starting it off, I always find it funny how many All-Stars are coming from successful teams. You look at the Rays, who have 49 wins on the year. You know, one of the best records in the MLB. They only have one All-Star. That All-Star, weirdly enough, and deservedly so, being Mike Zunino. Now, if you told me that at the beginning of the year... I actually would have told you you were crazy. I don't usually say that line because usually I can see, you know, the progression. But genuinely speaking, if you would have told me Mike Zunino was the only, if you would have told me Mike Zunino was going to be the only All Star on the Rays at the beginning of the year, and that's all you told me, I would have said they they have a bad record. He's playing above average, and the rest of the team has fallen off. Maybe there's been an injury or two. That's what I would have told you. But no, the Rays still 49 wins, and he's the only All-Star. But you look at the 33-win Rangers, and they have three All-Stars. Those being uh, Joey Gallo, Adolis Garcia, and Kyle Gibson, I believe. Yes, Kyle Gibson. And I think that's, like I said, that's kind of funny. Uh, I'm not going to lie, that's kind of funny. Just, just to think about that, you know, how a team like the Rangers have more All-Stars than the Rays. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be there. Like I said, Joey Gallo and Adolis Garcia have both been really good. Kyle Gibson has been amazing. You know, I'm not saying that those three players don't deserve it. I just think, you know, there are some Rays players that maybe deserve it more. Maybe Glasnow's on the team if he's still healthy. I have no idea. Either way, I like I said, I always find that funny. I think you can actually look at the NL has one of those two. I think what the Mets have one. And it seemed like the, the Pirates have two. You know, it's like, again... Adam Frazier has been insane this year, and I think Brian Reynolds has always been underrated, but it's just funny to see like a team like the Mets, like I said, only have one, and that one player might even be hurt. But I'll talk more about DeGrom and hopefully his replacement uh, in a minute. Wait a minute, Kyle Schwarber is hurt? Hold on, this is, this, is, this is just popping up to me. Okay, so that's news to me. I did not realize Kyle Schwarber was hurt. That's very upsetting considering, you know, the timing of that, or it's better depending on how you want to actually look at that. I guess he misses more real time, but he does miss the All-Star game and probably the Home Run Derby. I would assume he was going to play in that. Anyway, moving on to what I wanted to talk about, Shohei Otani. 
I mean, all I have to do is really say his name, and and that's enough. But, I mean, his ascension this year has just been fantastic. I always saw his potential as a hitter. Like, I always figured he was going to be a stud hitter in this league at some point. Like, this does not shock me that much. I will admit, it's kind of surprising. I didn't expect him to be hitting 31 home runs before the All-Star break. But, I, you know, I expected him to be a really good hitter at some point in his career. And he'd proven to be, you know, a solid hitter to begin with. But the pitching, the pitching is where I'm kind of shocked. Again, you know, in his prior years dealing with injuries and not just, just not really pitching that well, I was kind of expecting him to maybe not ever really become a true pitcher, but become a true hitter. But this year, at a three, and his his ERA has kind of ballooned up a little bit, but he's at a 360 ERA, three and one, and 12 games started because the Angels are awful, and has 83 strikeouts. I mean, this is just, like I said, this is kind of coming out of nowhere. Because like I said, in years past, he has not been a good pitcher. And I was kind of seeing like, okay, maybe he's not, you know, an MLB type pitcher. And that's fine. Because I knew he was an MLB type hitter. And I talked about that before with other people. Obviously, this being the first episode of the podcast, I've not talked about it on here. But I've always seen Shohei Atani as a future great hitter. Or in this case, this year's great hitter. I never expected him to be this good of a pitcher, at least at this point in his career. And he has really shocked me on that front. And I, you know, like I said, I have to give all the props to him in the world because he has been absolutely fantastic. He is truly earning, you know, that Babe Ruth comparison. At this point in his career, I feel like, you know, he's on a trajectory to be better than Babe Ruth was on both sides of the ball. And even Babe Ruth, you know, there's a lot about, you know, how he wasn't really a true pitcher hitter. You know, at one point in his career, he was a pitcher. And at one point in his career, he was a hitter. I think that's, you know, something that's kind of crazy. So, so the final all-star I want to talk about you know, that just going through these All-Stars, like I said, a lot of them, like, it's great to see some of these first-time All-Stars, especially, you know, on the NL part, Kyle Gibson, or not, not just, on the pitcher front is what I meant to say, Kyle Gibson, Kikichi, both getting nods, uh, relievers like Gregory Soto getting one, I think Matt Barnes is his first one, and he's well-earned it, Jesse Winker having an insane ascension, I already talked about Adam Frazier. Is this Brandon Crawford's first All-Star game? I think this is Brandon Crawford's first All-Star game. Don't fact-check me on that. <laughs> Again, Kyle Schwarber being another one. Players like Trevor Rogers, Kevin Gosman. Um, and I'll talk about Kevin Gosman's insane, weirdly goodness in just a moment. But the guy I want to talk about, the first-time All-Star I really want to talk about and talk about his journey here and his, you know, his... Very curvy journey here, by the way. I want to talk about the curvy journey he took to get here, and that's Alex Reyes. Now, again, you look at it from just the outside looking in. It's a pitcher who's dealing with injuries, but he made it back as a closer. But it's it's more than that, really. You know, he was the former number one prospect in the Cardinals farm system as a starting pitcher. As a starting pitcher. And people were expecting him, you know, maybe even at this point in his career, to be this all-star at the front of a rotation, not in the back as a closer. And he, at one point, peaked at number two, the number two overall prospect, even. But then, when he when he first got his first call, he came up, pitched pretty well, then had to get Tommy John surgery that offseason. 
He fought his way back just to pitch in his very first game, pitch very well, and then to have to have another season-ending injury. And then had to go through that. And then he got then he got back. He didn't pitch great. He went down to the minors. He didn't pitch good there. Then he hurt his hand when he got upset, and he had to go through that. And then last year, he finally fought his way back up as a reliever, pitched really well. This year, as a closer, literally been perfect so far. He's not blown a save. He's lost a couple of games. I think he's only lost two, actually. Has been insanely good. Has under a 1 ERA. And, like I said, a very much well-deserved all-star nod. And it's it's great to see. Because this is, this is someone that it kind of felt like for a while over these years, kind of like Andrew Luck, it was just like, is he ever really going to get back? Is he really ever going to be the pitcher we know he can be? And this year he's kind of proven it. And even though I know he struggled with control at times, and I know the MLB The Show only gives him a 71 for some reason, <laughs> but it's one of those things that it's just it's very impressive to see what he's gone through, and it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at someone like Alex Race, I still think, and a lot of people still think, that you know starter is where he's going to end up at. But the fact you know he's pitched so well as a closer and he can be a closer in this league if he wants to be has re- has really brought faith back into someone like him and super excited to see what he can do in his future because again he's still in like 26. Yep, no, he's 26. I was somehow right on that. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know how, but yeah, he's 26. He's still got a long way to go, a lot of potential that he can still get to. Next, I kind of want to look at some snubs. Um, I was talking about Jacob Degrom and how he may not pitch in the All-Star game, and I'm hoping, you know, if he doesn't pitch, that his replacement will be Tywon Walker, because I was kind of shocked to not see Tywon Walker's name in there, and I get, you know, the Rockies need an All-Star, and so they, you know, they went with German Marquez, who has not pitched nearly as well as Tywon Walker, and he's someone that maybe hasn't gotten as much recognition just because of how DeGrom has pitched on that team, but he's been super important for the Mets resurgence this year. He's been super great for that team. I think he's at 7-3 with a 2-4-4 ERA. Very much deserved of an all-star nod. Unfortunately, which is how many pitchers have been really good in both leagues, not just the NL, but in both leagues, he hasn't been able to get one. So hopefully if DeGrom is out, you know, they give the nod to his teammate, Taiwan Walker. Next up is Freddie Peralta. And again, another pitcher that's kind of gotten under the radar because of how great the staff around him is. Freddie Peralta is a player for the Brewers. He's pitching behind Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, both all-stars in their rights, and very much well-deserved. But he's pitched almost just as well, if not better, than them this year. He's pitched very good for a very good Brewers team who have played very well down the stretch. And again, as someone that any other year probably gets a nod. And it's just crazy to think that there could be three Brewers on the All-Star team, and it wouldn't even be shocking. You know, it wouldn't even be that surprising because of how good that pitching staff has been and overall how good that team's been. And that's something that, you know, has kind of been a little bit surprising. Not that surprising, though, if you really pay attention to what that team has over there. You know, like I said, they have some good hitters over there, a lot of good pitchers. And like I said, Woodruff and Burns have proven it in years past. Freddy Peralta has really come up and really come into his own and gone very under the radar because of how that rotation's been. And he's someone that I could see getting onto the roster. I don't think he will. Um, unless there's like seven injuries in the next day or two. So I think he's another snub just to watch out for. He, you know, it's a good to mention his name. Now, when you turn to the hitting side, there are a few names you could mention, but I do believe they got most of the picks right there. You know, there's not really a couple that like, oh, I think they should be on there. Or not. But there's a couple of names I want to mention and I want to talk about real quick. Uh, the first one being Tyler O'Neill, not really because 
of his all-star candidacy. He's been out for, you know, he missed a lot of time. He's hurt again. But when he's been playing, he's been fantastic. His average is way up. He's still striking out a lot, but he's hitting, a, you know, the balls that he's hitting are going out of the park. He's driving in runs. He's being He's been very great for a team that has not been good at hitting for the Cardinals. And he's been very important for that team to even just keep them afloat. And I think it's just, it's something that, like I said, it's a good player to nod to. Um, but more importantly, is someone that I want to see in the home run derby. So if he's healthy for all-star festivities, I really hope they get this guy in the home run derby because of how powerful he is. I would love, just love to see how far he could hit some of these baseballs. Like I said, he is probably one of the most raw, powerful players in the league. And I want to see how far he can hit some of these. Like So I really want to see him in the home run derby. Um, and then moreover, another player that I think... I think he should have probably gotten on. He still might with injuries. Is Yuri Gur- Yuli Gurriel for a stacked Astros team? He's really been the one or two players to stick out of that you know, that offense. He has been fantastic. He's batting three twenty two. I know his home runs aren't as high as someone like Jared Walsh, but I mean, I said batting three twenty two. He's been fantastic for the team. He's really had a resurgence after struggling mightily last year. He's someone that I think probably should get on the roster especially if there are some injuries. Kind of shocking they didn't put him on there over Jared Walsh. If I had to name the biggest snub here, I would probably go Tywin Walker, but second, I'd probably put Yuli Gurriel. Like I said, 322 average. He's played very well in a year where the hitters have been kind of down, especially, you know, some of the lower ones. So he's been fantastic, and I definitely think he's been really important to the Astros team, which have been very good this year. So... Last thing I want to talk about in baseball are a couple of teams that are playing each other right now in a series and have been very, very shocking on opposite ends of the spectrum. You have one team, the Giants, who have just been fantastic and something that I just could not have expected, could not even thought about, couldn't even fathom, especially because of the division they're in. And then you have a team like the Cardinals, who are in a weak division and have struggled mightily. Because they just can't hit the baseball. And I'll talk more about them in a second, but I want to go through the Giants first real quick. I could not and I could not have expected this, and I'm still shocked that it's happening. Obviously, starting out, you have the pitchers of you have Cueto, who's doing Cueto things. Not too shocking there. He's still done, been very good. But then you have Kevin Gosman, who is almost the starter in the NL and maybe starting the NL game if DeGrom is hurt. And then you have D. Scalfani, another cast-off like Gosman, who just decided, hey, let me be really good this year. You, you know that thing, baseball? I'm going to be good at it this year. I mean, it's just insane. I don't know. Like, some of these other players were good in their prime and are kind of out of their prime. You look at players like D. Scalfani and Gosman, they weren't even, like, studs in their prime. They were just players that have been solid in the past and proven themselves to be MLB-worthy, but not this good. Discalfani is another one that could have easily gotten an all-star nod if you know if the pitch if there were some pitchers who weren't there. But it's not just that. I mean it's renaissance years for players like Evan Longoria. Brandon Crawford learned how to hit a baseball. Buster Posey is playing not really at an MVP level anymore, but he was playing at an MVP level to begin the year. He's still playing like the prime Buster Posey we once knew. You have players coming, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but like Wilmer Flores is hitting bombs right now. Steven Duggar is on another level. Alex Dickerson is playing great. 
Mike Yastrzemski has, I mean, he's always been really good for the team, so I'm not going to try to say that he hasn't been. I didn't even, I, I almost forgot to mention Brandon Belt. You know, he's been, he's been Brandon Belt, but Brandon Belt's been really good. And, like, it's a team that, like I said, at the beginning of the year, I put them, like, fourth or fifth in the NL West. And they have just blown my expectations out of the water. And, like, you look at the injuries. Longoria's hurt. Brandon Belt's hurt. Logan Webb is hurt. I know they still have, like I said, they still have Cueto, they still have Gosman, they still have Descalfani. But with the injuries and with just the team in general, I would have figured at this point they would have fallen off, but they just keep winning games. They keep winning and winning and winning, and it is insane. But moving on to the other end of the spectrum, and this team I have a little bit more to talk about, are the St. Louis Cardinals. And the reason I have so much to talk about is because their pitching is still fantastic. They don't have Flaherty, they don't have Michaelis. Martinez has been off and on hurt and not really been good. Kim has been off and on. He's, he's, he's definitely turning the ship around. And he was hurt at the beginning of the year. And yet their pitching is still fantastic. It's still keeping them in ball games, And that's never really been the issue on the team for the last three, four years. The issue has always been the hitting. And for, you know, like in 2019, you could have said it was the talent. 2020, you could have said, okay, well, it was the, you know, it was a situation this year, there's no excuse. There's one excuse. One excuse that, you know, I, I believe is fixable. You have a team that's cornerstoned by Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt. You have players like Carlson and Edmund are doing a great job getting on in front of them. Tyler O'Neill, like I just said, is hitting bombs and hitting the ball a lot more. Harrison Bader is hitting the ball very well, even though I know it's Harrison Bader, so we assume he's awful, but, I mean, he's hitting the ball pretty well this year. And then you have Paul DeYoung, who... Hasn't been great. Like, don't get me wrong. He hasn't been really that good, but he's been all right. He hits the home, he hits the home run ball. He hit, he drives the ball very well. He's been striking out a lot less from the beginning of the season. And I know he's gone through a lot of injuries, so it's like he's kind of been off and on because of injuries. And even Edmundo Sosa has was fantastic, or not fantastic. But he was very good, you know, in covering DeYoung during those issues. But here they here they are, a team that's under 500, and has one of the lowest runs per game in the league. In fact, they've been bottom third in runs per game since their hitting coach, Jeff Albert, was hired in 20, the 2018-2019 offseason. And I don't find that to be a coincidence. And it just kind of shocks me that he's still there, right? You look at before he was hired, before Jeff Albert was hired, the team was typically in the top third, they were always in the top half, typically in the top third of runs per game, at least in the three to four years before that. You know, they were usually top third, sometimes even upwards of top five in runs per game. Then Jeff Albert gets hired, and the team instantly in those three years have always been bottom third. This year, I mean, almost dead last this year. It just doesn't make sense on why he's still there. To make matters worse, this last stretch... Before they were playing, the, before they went up against the Giants in this series they're currently in, they played against the Tigers, then played against the Pirates, then went on against the Diamondbacks and Rockies. Those are four very bad teams right now. Four very pitiful teams. Should be four series wins. Honestly, would not be shocking if the team were to sweep all of those series, right? In a two-game series against the Tigers, they get swept. In a four-game series 
against the Pirates, they lose 3-1. to one. In a three-game series against the Diamondbacks, they swept, thank God. And in a four-game series against the Rockies, they lost 3-1. to one. They went 2-8 and eight against the Rockies, Pirates, and Tigers. That's pitiful. And the worst part is, it wasn't their pitching. It was their hitting. And they don't even have their ace. And they don't have Michaelis, who was, again, very good. So, there's one big issue. I, I honestly feel if you were to fire Jeff Albert and replace him with a third grader, they would probably hit the ball better. And I'm not kidding. I don't know what he does. He progr- he actively makes them worse hitters. It's like in MLB The Show, right? You have coaches that, you know, well, they'll add on some stats, stats here and there for your players. Well, Jeff Albert, he makes the players much worse in every stat. In which, if you just didn't have a coach there, you guys would have better stats. So you're paying him to make your team worse. I mean, I it's probably not true, but I mean, stats don't lie, right? Now, if the team wasn't good, if you didn't have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and a lot of young talent around those two, okay, we could talk about, you know, maybe fixing up the team and maybe it's not his fault. But the problem is that you do have Nolan Arenado and you do have Paul Goldschmidt and you do have all this talent around him. And they're still struggling to hit the ball. And like I said, if losing series to the Tigers, Pirates, and Rockies isn't enough to fire him, he may be the hitting coach for the rest of my life and the rest of eternity. He might be immortal and be the hitting coach for the rest of rest of all time. I don't know what more needs to be proven for them to make a change at hitting coach. Like I said, the team is under 500, not looking very good. And frankly... It's, it's kind of upsetting considering the talent they have. And if, it's, if the season were to end right now, I wouldn't be shocked, but I couldn't be upset if Nolan Arenado opted out. If he were to opt out, I couldn't be upset. Time to move on to a couple of topics, a couple more t- small topics in the NBA. First off, the Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor situation. I don't have much to say on this, mostly because I have not watched a lot of ESPN. I couldn't tell you if Rachel Nichols is a better broadcaster than Maria Taylor or the other way around. Let's just leave it at this. Kurt Schilling got fired from ESPN because he liked a post on his private Facebook. Paul Pierce got fired from ESPN because he was partying. But Rachel Nichols actively bashes the way that ESPN does their job and she just gets a small punishment. I mean, take it how you want. That's just the way I look at it. I don't, like I said, I don't really particularly like ESPN or the way they run it. It's not good for business and it's not really that good for humanity, I guess. I don't really know how to explain that, but it just kind of doesn't really make sense, I guess. I'm not here to say whether what she said was true or not. Like I said, I have no idea whether Maria Taylor or Rachel Nichols is a better broadcaster or a better sideline broadcaster or whatever she was doing beforehand. But like I said, I don't really have much to say on the topic. I just kind of thought it was interesting what's happened and how they've gone through it. So finally, last thing I'll talk about in the NBA, mock drafts. Um, I wasn't really going to say anything on this, but I was looking through stories and I found a mock draft by Jason McIntyre. Once you get past the first pick, I don't really have much say in what happens, but... The problem was, 
is that the first pick wasn't made right, right? I saw it and I the, I saw it and it said Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, top Jason McIntyre's NBA mock draft. I'm like, oh, it's weird. They put Jalen Green first. There's no way he put the Pistons picking Jalen Green, right? Now don't get me wrong. Maybe the Pistons are stupid. Maybe they pick Jalen Green and maybe he's banking on the Pistons being stupid. Maybe he's a Rockets fan, but he picked the Detroit Pistons to pick Jalen Green first. Again, not going to say anything on the dude because I don't really know much on him. Um, They picked the Rockets to pick Kate Cunningham second. You pick how you want. I just want to explain why I think that's a really bad idea. Now, the Pistons aren't a current winning team, right? They They have the number one pick for the reason. And a player like Kate Cunningham, who could end up like Lonzo Ball and maybe not be this franchise turnaround player that we all think he could be. I mean, that could happen with anyone. But I like to think he's going to end up a lot more like Luka Doncic, especially if he can maneuver his jump shot into something fantastic. Because right now, he doesn't have a stud three-point shot, but it's not bad. It's not like it's Giannis's or Ben Simmons where it just like it doesn't exist. It's not great, but it's not bad. And if he can develop that and turn it into a great a great shot, remember, he's only 19, he could be a lot closer to Luka Doncic, which is what I'm kind of expecting. And if you don't pick him in number one, you are going to regret that for a long, long time. Like I said, there's nothing against Jalen Green. He might be fantastic too. It very well, very well might be a similar situation to Luka Doncic and Trey Young. The issue is you want Luka rather than Trey Young. Don't get me wrong. You're going to win with Trey. You're going to you're gonna remember getting the second or third best player, like the best player you could have gotten right there. But if you have the choice between the two, you're going to pick Luka. It feels like a similar situation here. And if the Pistons don't pick Cade, they will be laughed at more than they already are. Because like I said, Pistons have not been good in a very long time. Finally have a chance to get there. And you can't make that mistake. So that seems like a pretty good place to wrap it up for this first episode. Again, I'm winging it a lot, so I'm not really sure exactly how long these episodes are going to be. I know this one seems, it seems like it's going to be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones. Maybe I bring in some other stuff that isn't just sports, but like, I mean, Big Brother is starting and I love that and I'll be watching that. So maybe I can talk about that a little bit more. Maybe just have like a short segment on that. Or something, or just, like I said, it depends on what what's going on in the week, depends what's upcoming. So, like I said, I don't want to kind of box myself in to one certain thing or one certain sport. So, like I said, I, I, I winged it a lot today, um, and we'll, we'll kind of see what occurs going forward. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. If you guys did enjoy, uh, do whatever you do with your podcast that you like. You know, you can leave a like on Spotify or whatever you know you do and make sure you hit the follow button or like the plus button or whatever it is to continue to get notifications for my podcast so you guys know when i come up with new episodes i'm actually trying to get them out weekly every tuesday or wednesday depending on what's going on for me in that week but other than that this is lucas signing off from stf2 and i'll see you guys next time